0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six podcast. It is episode 29, I think. Uh, We are talking week three of the 2023 college football season. Got a great episode in store for you guys. The SEC has kind of been sleepwalking through the season so far. Not anymore. We're going to find out a lot about these SEC teams. I am AJ here with my brother Tyler. Back to talk college football with you again. What's going on, my brother? How you feeling?
1: Ooh, we back. Man, it's a lot of good things happening this week. I'm excited to get into it with you. I think we got a really good slate of games.
0: Uh, before we get into those guys, just want to remind you like we always do. If you're not already following us on Instagram, what are you doing? At Saturday6pod on Instagram and Twitter. Always pumping out content for you guys there. Also, where you are listening to this podcast, whether that's Spotify Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you find podcasts, go ahead and give us a follow, give us a rating, turn on those notifications so that as soon as an episode drops, you can be listening to it uh, on your commute or at your cubicle or on your run or wherever you're listening to these podcasts. We appreciate that if you are doing it. We have not touched on the Big Ten a lot this season, and that is no more. We are going to touch on number seven, Penn State, 14 and a half point favorites going on the road to face off against the Illinois Fighting Illini, one of the least creative nicknames in all of college football. But nevertheless, they are hosting Penn State 12 o'clock on Fox this coming Saturday. And I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be sneaky good. I was expecting this line to be a little bit higher, and usually that means that Vegas is onto to something here. This could be a sneaky good game that not a lot of people see coming, or Penn State could blow them out. Which way are you leaning?
1: It, it is interesting. Penn State had some impressive wins uh, so far, but who have they played? I still haven't seen them Nobody. really really be tested and face some adversity the last two games and the likes of Michigan State and Rutgers. Um, Illinois had a bright spot a season ago, keeping it close with a really good team in their matchup against Michigan. I like to see them kind of use that and replicate some of that success this week in another big game. Um, it helps them that they are at home. Penn State quarterback Drew Aller has been extremely efficient. He's gone 43 of 55 on his pass attempts so far. Um so he needs to be poised in the pocket uh, in order to help win this game. And that should help having a running back like Catron Allen behind him as a safety blanket. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this guy. He's a stud, you know. So I think that's very doable. Uh, Illinois quarterback uh, Altmyer. Uh,
0: yeah, Ole Miss transfer.
1: The problem with this here is he's also their leading rusher right now. I mean, something has to change here in order for this to be a successful offense, I'll, I'll say it pretty much every time, unless you're freaking Lamar Jackson, uh, you shouldn't be leading your team in rushing yards as a quarterback. It didn't look good for Jalen Milrow last week. It hasn't looked good for a lot of quarterbacks in the past who you know have had to kind of shoulder that load. I think Penn State's just an all-around better team here.
0: I agree. I got two things. You know, when it comes to these big spreads – Typically you're not going to pick Illinois to win this game, right? We're going to touch on Georgia, South Carolina. Typically you're not going to pick South Carolina to win that game. So the way I look at it is what has to happen in this game for Illinois to win, right? Cause it's easy just to say, Oh, P- Penn state, they're going to win. They'll cover that 14 and a half. What does an upset look like? What has to get done in order for the fighting Illini to pull this one off at home? I think it's two things. One thing on each side of the ball, when you're on offense you got to protect the quarterback. You got to protect Luke Altmaier. These Penn State rushers on defense, they're going to get after that quarterback. Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, they've had a slow start to the season, but I expect if they are going to ramp it up, it's about damn time that they start doing it. So, Illinois, got to protect the quarterback. You had six sacks last week against Kansas cannot have a repeat performance from this offensive line if you expect to hang in this game against a talented Penn State defense. And then on the other side of the ball, on offense for Illinois, you got to stop the run. Um, Excuse me, on defense, you got to stop the run. They got carved by Kansas last week, gave up over 200 yards rushing. You talked about the running backs for Penn State, Nick Singleton and company. I mean, it If you give them a hole, they're gonna bust it for ten plus. So you really you've got to be stout up front on both lines of scrimmage if you're Illinois in this one. And then for Penn State, like they're two and zero, but seven penalties last week. If you're gonna do that again, Illinois is gonna be able to hang in there. So I think you've got to be more disciplined if you're the Nittany Lions. But at the end of the day. I just think there's way more talent on this Penn State team. Even going on the road, I don't think Altmire and company have enough to keep up. I'm going to take Penn State, even though it is a larger spread than I would like. I'm going to take them to win this game by more than two touchdowns. What do you pick?
1: I'm on the same side as you. I think Penn State just has a little bit too much for this Illinois team.
0: All right, let's head to the Midwest. We have Big 12 versus SEC action Going down noon on the SEC network, we've got number 15, Kansas State, the defending Big 12 champions, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Missouri Tigers. So we got a couple of of big-game cats going at it, the Wildcats and the Tigers. Like I said, 12 o'clock on Saturday. What are the keys to this one, man? I think uh, the spread is closer than a lot of people might have expected. One, Missouri is at home, but two – They've looked decent this year, and they've got some some playmakers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And we we saw last year against Georgia, this defense is is no slouch. I mean, they, they can get it done. Um, they're, they're really good against the run, and uh, they've got some good players in that secondary as well. So what are the keys to the game for Kansas State and Missouri?
1: I think for Kansas State, you know, having Will Howard back at the helm as the signal caller this year, he was extremely impressive a season ago. Uh, but who in that wide receiver room is gonna step up and be that guy for him? You know, somebody's somebody's gotta emerge as that number one target for him, and you know, somebody that he can rely on, you know, to bail him out. For Missouri, I think Schrader, the running back, is a guy that can carry a heavy workload and can make it easier to open up some play action once the run game is established for that Tigers offense. And then the home field advantage helps in a big way for a Missouri team that, you know, they'll need all the help that they can get as they're welcoming in the reigning big 12 champions into uh Como there. So I think it's, I think it's offense for both of these, like you, you touched on Missouri has a really good defense. Uh, Kansas state was capable a year ago. You know, we're still very fresh into the season. So it's kind of hard to say what they'll be able to do this year, uh, but they've looked very capable still. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put it on Will Howard to to figure out who his number one target is going to be in that receiver room. And I'm going to put it on, Kansas, or on Missouri's run game to be able to figure out, you know, what kind of identity this offense is going to have.
0: Yeah, I like that you touched on both of the offenses. For me, it comes down to Missouri getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. There are not a lot of five stars that come through this Missouri tiger program. Not a lot. Okay. So when Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach gets one, I think you got to take advantage of it, right? Get the ball to wide receiver Luther burden. Okay. Five star coming in. He's a sophomore this year. So far on the year, 15 catches over 200 yards receiving. I think you got to find him early and often because it hasn't looked pretty for Mizzou so far this year, last week, barely eking out a win against middle Tennessee state 23 to 19. They didn't look great. And then on the flip side for Kansas state, they throttled a Troy team that a lot of people are high on as far as a group of five team, you know, it's Troy, but as far as group of five goes, this is one of the better programs, definitely better than middle Tennessee state and they blasted them last week. So for Kansas state, you gotta be able to sustain drives, right? Like we've seen, a bunch of short drives so far where it's three and out and punt. Um you got to be able to sustain drives if you're Will Howard. And then for me, I think Kansas State is one of the best special teams programs in the country. They always are kind of emphasizing that extra dimension of the game, not just offense, not just defense, but really taking advantage of their special teams advantages. And Missouri wasn't good on special teams last year they gave up a bunch of long punt returns bunch of long kick returns so it's going to be important for the tigers to do that and then last but not least this missouri offensive line has got to be better five sacks already given up in two games they've got to protect quarterback cook a little bit better if they want to have a chance in this one again i i think it's i think it could very well be a good game they got to go on the road but I think it's just too much talent for Kansas state. I trust Will Howard. I trust this program more than I trust Missouri's program to develop talent and to win big games when they need to. I think four and a half is not quite enough. I like Kansas state somewhere low scoring, maybe a 26 to 20 type of game somewhere in there. Um, I like, I like the wildcats to cover. What do you think, my guy, you got Kansas state covering.
1: Yeah, Fred kind of puzzled me a little bit. You know, I I put more stock in Kansas State than this. I don't know what, you know, Vegas usually proves me wrong here when they're making the odds and uh, they usually catch catch me uh slip in there, but I like Kansas State. I think this is a very comfortable win for them. I don't think the game's ever really in doubt going into the second half of that game. I see them covering four and a half pretty easy.
0: Okay, easy cover. Back to the SEC, we've got number 14, the LSU Tigers' big nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Another noon kickoff, this time on ESPN. And first-year head coach for the Bulldogs, LSU second year under Brian Kelly. Obviously a disappointing loss to start the year to Florida State, but they're hoping to kind of right the ship and potentially win out and find themselves in Atlanta playing for a spot in the college football playoff. But Mississippi state, they they've looked like a totally different team so far this year. They are running the ball a lot more than they ever have. They are not airing the ball out like they usually do. And so I don't really know what to expect. I mean, this is a team that I'm expecting Will Rogers to drop back and throw it 50 times under Mike Leach, the former head coach and now it seems like they're very content to run the ball so I don't know what to make for this one I think uh, it's going to be interesting one way or another
1: yeah first off I'm still not over Mike Leach he was a legend rest in peace (laughs) Um, I think there's a bunch of different dimensions to this game that makes it very interesting you know Mississippi State's a hard place to go into. It's not a far travel from Louisiana, but you just think of those absolute annoying Cowboys that you can only be a fan of if you're a Mississippi State fan because they are just obnoxious. How will LSU handle that is, you know, something to look for. But also LSU finally got back Mason Smith, the linebacker, and John Emery Jr., the running back that we touched on for our – week one preview which should provide a bolster run game and run defense for a team that's looking to right the ship after their embarrassing week one loss against fsu so you know th- those are two really key players to be looking out for and what kind of impact that they can make in the game on the flip side of the ball you know mississippi state does still have will rogers at quarterback and he's got some weapons this year i mean they're running back marks really freaking good their wide receiver griffin is probably rogers number one pass catching target right now so i think what it's going to come down to is can mississippi state convert on third down keep rogers upright so he can deliver the ball to the playmakers they have um if he's if mississippi state's able to do that i think that they have a fighting chance in this um but i think this is an overpowered lsu team i think it's Very reasonable to see them, you know, making it to an SEC championship game.
0: Yeah, see, I've got questions, man. And I think think a lot of it is on the defensive side of the ball for LSU. Now, we talked about against Florida State. Now, don't get me wrong. There are not a lot of teams in the country that have wide receivers like Florida State does. But that secondary got exposed, dude. I mean, there's no no other way to put it. That secondary just got straight up exposed against Florida State. And so that's why if I'm Mississippi State, why are we messing around with this run attack? Why are we messing around with this run game? Do what you do best. Air the ball out. Take advantage of this, this poor LSU secondary. Use your best weapon in Will Rogers to exploit that. Make them make you run the ball because I, I you've seen that you can you can do it already, so take advantage, make them play on their heels, throw the ball, and then for LSU, like, isn't there some guy named Harold Perkins on that defense? Because to me it I, I, haven't heard to his, be. I haven't heard his name once this year, and i I gotta believe that it's because they moved him from outside linebacker where he's able to pin his ears back and rush the quarterback what he does best. Moved him to inside linebacker, where he's basically just a glorified spy on every play and is just sitting in the middle of the field. I mean, not doing a whole lot. Zero tackles for loss so far this year for Harold Perkins. You're not worried about what Will Rogers running the ball like you were Jordan Travis. There is no damn need to have Harold Perkins sitting in the middle of the field, spying the quarterback. Make him go get Will Rogers Do what you do best, Mr. Perkins. I don't know why we're playing around with this kid. He's clearly one of the best guys, best defenders in college football. You need to use him that way.
1: Yeah, he's only got six tackles and one pass breakup on the season.
0: Zero tackles for loss.
1: None. So I think if we see
0: him at middle linebacker, I think if we see Mississippi State start to air the ball out a little bit and complement it with that rushing attack, I got Mississippi state covering this nine and a half and I'm actually going to make it my lock of the week. I, I still think LSU wins this game straight up, but nine and a half at home against the shaky LSU defense. Nah, I I can't do it. Give me the bulldogs plus nine and a half. I'll take them with the points. Go Tigers. I can't do it. I can't do it again. I got burned on it once this year. I can't do it. All right, let's head to the ACC. We got an ACC versus Big Ten showdown Saturday at 3.30 on ESPN. The Minnesota Golden Gophers going on the road to face off against the number 20 ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. And it is that home team, the Tar Heels, favored by a touchdown and a hook. Seven and a half, got to take them to win by eight if you're rolling with the heels what are the keys to this game? Some players to watch? What are some storylines that we're looking forward to heading into this matchup?
1: Yeah, Minnesota's gotten off to a very slow start. Despite winning both of their games, they stumbled against their FCS opponent. You know, so that's something. And they,
0: and they ain't look good against Nebraska either.
1: Right. Um, UNC had a very good week one. And then, holy crap. They barely survive App State in double overtime last called week. Called it. I mean, yes, App State is probably one of the better lower-tier schools that these Power 5 programs are going to play.
0: I called that I one was, two episodes nope. ago.
1: But I think Drake May has looked okay so far this season, but he hasn't really lived up to the Heisman potential that, that everybody's talked to him about so far. At least, you know, you look at his stat sheet, it it's not, you know – it's not popping off the page here for you. So I really look for him to kind of have a prove it type of game, a little coming out party, you know, you know, everybody that's kind of starting to be like, I don't know about this Drake may guy for Heisman. You know, I think he's possibly going to prove a few people wrong there. Uh, But neither of these defenses are superb either. So I think this is going to be uh, about which offense can be productive and kind of turn that around from the last two games and I've seen enough out of the Star Heels offense to know that they can be productive. Um, they just got to get all the pieces together, and Drake May's got to have himself a game. I think that a matchup with Minnesota at home in Chapel Hill is a perfect opportunity for that.
0: Yeah, for me, it's tough because I liked what I saw from North Carolina's defense against South Carolina in that week one matchup. Definitely. A weekend- we came away impressed. Yeah, South Carolina could not run the ball. They were sacked over and over and over again. I think eight or nine sacks in that game. We were like, holy crap, North Carolina's playing some defense all of a sudden. Where the hell did this come from? And then last week against App State, they allowed 219 yards on the ground.
1: On the ground.
0: So, like, literally polar opposite from what we saw against South Carolina. And this Minnesota running back, Taylor, now, it was Eastern Michigan, but he had 193 yards, almost almost 200 yards on the ground against Eastern Michigan. So if Minnesota can establish this ground game, we've seen they're comfortable in these low-scoring games. They did it against Nebraska. If they are able to establish a run game against this UNC defense who has been hit or miss, to be quite frank, I think it could be a lower-scoring game. I think it could be a quicker game. But I just don't know about outside of the run game like it I, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce the Minnesota quarterbacks last name, Kalia <laughs> Kalia Kamaria, something Man. like that.
1: Eh, good enough.
0: If it's more than three syllables, I'm lost so I'm not even gonna try it. But outside of the running back, can the quarterback can the wide receivers can they threaten this North Carolina defense so that, They take some of the pressure off because like you said, North Carolina is going to score some points. Drake may is going to find his favorite receiver Davis who had 117 yards and a touchdown last week against the Mountaineers at home. I can't do it. I got to take the tar Hills minus seven and a half. Not quite enough. I think this could be a sneaky close game for a half, maybe three quarters, but I like North Carolina to pull away late. Just, uh, not enough not enough firepower there on offense for Minnesota.
1: Same page, brother, same page.
0: All right, we got two more to pick against the spread. We've got two more SEC on SEC matchups. Like we said in the preview, man, SEC's kind of been sleepwalking through this season so far. A lot of teams playing a lot of cupcakes, and a lot of teams that when they didn't play cupcakes, when they played good competition – It didn't exactly look great. Talking about LSU. I'm looking at you, Alabama. I'm looking at you, Florida. So SEC looking to establish some dominance here. And it's going to come in the form of South Carolina, the Gamecocks, going on the road, headed to Athens to face off against the number one team in the country, your back-to-back defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, favored by a fat, 27 and a half points. You got to take them to win by four touchdowns and four extra points. If you're going to ride with the dogs, three thirty on CBS. I mean, it will be like our last year on CBS. So we got to soak them that, uh, that little sound bite while we can, but dogs Gamecocks, 27 and a half. Is that ridiculous? I mean, one of the bigger spreads that you're ever going to find for a in-conference matchup.
1: You got a couple Georgia fans talking about the Bulldogs. So I got some points to make here.
0: (laughs) Let me kick back and get comfortable.
1: Can South Carolina do anything to make this huge GA team uncomfortable on Saturday in Athens? I think it's time to pull out all the tricks out of the hat, you know, leave nothing in your playbook and play some superhero football for this Gamecock team. So far, Spencer Rattler, I'm going to be frank. He's been overhyped this offseason after what he did towards the end of last season. And he's going to get the greatest test of the season and the reigning national champs. And he needs to expose UGA secondary after losing Javon Bullard to a ankle injury and having a lot of youth in that secondary. He needs to attack that secondary. We already know what we have in Georgia's front seven. It's a pretty formidable group. I think if there's going to be a question on that defense, it's going to be in that secondary, and they got to take advantage of that. And then on the other side of the ball, Georgia needs their running backs to be healthy and to break some, some big chunk yardage plays off, which isn't something that we've really seen so far this season. Albeit FCS teams, sure, but Kendall Milton needs to be healthy, and then Roderick Robinson is your number two. You'll probably still see a little bit of Cash Jones in there, but they need some healthy running back play and big chunk yardage. And then that offensive line for Georgia needs to impose their will on the South Carolina front seven in their first game against UT Martin. Wasn't very impressed with the with the run blocking. And then there's so many other big storylines. I mean, you got the first sec start for Carson Beck at Georgia, how is he going to handle playing, you know, an sec opponent? We don't know. We haven't seen it before. What will the secondary look like for Georgia without Javon Bullard? Somebody has to step up in his absence. They got a few guys. They got a freshman. Uh, They got Dan Jackson who is not a scholarship player, but he's been in the program for quite a while. So a lot of question marks here. A lot of things that both teams need to do. I think, is South Carolina's going to have a chance at this. They've got to throw the ball really well.
0: Yeah. Like we touched on earlier, you know, it's easy to pick Georgia to win this game. I like to look at it from the scenario of what does, what has to happen for South Carolina to pull this game off. And truth be told, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to put my bias everything.
1: aside here. They have to but do everything really
0: well. I think it comes down to Rattler. I mean, obviously, but I think it does, you know, Georgia has not been able to rush the passer great so far this season. Just one sack so far through two games. Now, you got to keep in mind that these first two teams, they were getting the ball out quick. I mean, they knew that that pass rush was going to get there pretty damn quick. And so it was a lot of two seconds or less throws trying to get the ball out before the the defenders can really even get out of their stance. But they've got to get a pass rush on Rattler because we've seen Rattler versus pressure – so far in his South Carolina career, he's completing 36% of his balls, seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. So when you get a little bit of pressure on Rattler, he's just not the same cat that he is when he is got time in the pocket. And he's got to take care of the ball because last year against Georgia, three picks. So if you're turning the ball over, if you're throwing up jump balls to Malachi Starks and Tyke Smith and David Daniel, then it's going to be a long night. The other thing I'm looking out for is, what does this atmosphere look like in Sanford Stadium? We've seen this Georgia fan base get called out by head coach Kirby Smart a few times, Arkansas in 2021, Tennessee in 2022, and they respond. They show up, they're early, they are loud, and they affect the game with false starts, you know, with pre-snap penalties and such. So I expect this to be a really tough atmosphere to South Carolina to go into. They've got to score early. If you get up early by seven, you know, if you can somehow build a 10-point lead in the first quarter, it's going to be tough. But if you can do that and kind of take this crowd out of it a little bit, I think that's your best best chance to win this game. You touched on the weapons for Spencer Rattler. The receivers, Xavier Leggett and Juice Juice Wells, are some of the best weapons in the SEC. If they can get the ball – if he can get the ball to them, let them make some plays in space, they've got a good chance – you touched on the secondary for Georgia. I won't go too much further into that. Bullard is probably out, but I think between David Daniel, Dan Jackson, the freshman Aguero that you touched on, I think they'll be all right. But they do get a couple guys back. I expect Ladd McConkey to be able to go in this game. And then you touched on the running back situation. I believe Dejon Edwards should be able to go as well. So if you're able to get some contributions from those guys, I think this offense could definitely look more explosive than they have the last two weeks. So... Last note on this one, I don't know why I have an idea, but Kirby Smart hates Shane Beamer. <laughs> Kirby Smart cannot stand Shane Beamer. There's some we, rivals. We've seen this the last two years. Typically, you know, you see Kirby Smart in these games. If he's up by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, he's going to take his foot off the gas, right? Going to put in the reserves, going to get those guys some touchdowns, going to run the ball a lot, going to salt the clock away. Not against Carolina the last two years. I mean, he is throwing touchdowns late in the game because he is just rubbing dirt in the wound. His not-so-good friend Shane Beamer, I'm sure he can't can't stand it. But I expect Georgia, typically, they would let the foot off the gas. You might would see a backdoor cover by Carolina. I don't see it happening this week. I think Georgia wins this game big, just like they have the last two years against South Carolina. And they're at home, and the crowd's going to be hyped. And the first SEC game, the first real action for Georgia fans and Georgia players and Georgia coaches alike, Georgia, and it ain't even close. I'm taking the dogs plus the points,
1: yeah, i got i I got Georgia all day, thirty eight to nine. South Carolina strings together a few field goals. Um, i I don't think that they reach the end zone. I think that this Georgia defense is just too good. I got the dogs covering.
0: They didn't reach the the end zone until there was about, what, three minutes to go in the game last year. So, I hear you, baby.
1: 38-9 to official score prediction for me.
0: I like it. All right, last game of the Saturday 6, another SEC matchup. You got the number 11 Tennessee Volunteers. They are road favorites, six-and-a-half-point favorites, as they head to the Swamp to take on the Florida Gators. Night kickoff, 7 o'clock on ESPN again. Should be good, man. Two perennial rivals. Two teams that really could use a win here. What are the keys to this Volunteers-Gators matchup as we look at this one?
1: Yeah, Tennessee's looks solid, but haven't really showed out yet. But what's the need to against the teams that they've played so far? Joe Milton's played well. I think he's a top SEC quarterback by the end of the year. I'll probably put him somewhere, top three, top four quarterbacks in the SEC. He's got an incredible arm. He probably has the strongest arm in all of college football. And then on the other hand, you got Graham Mertz for Florida. And Mertz is exactly what we've seen out of him. He's a placekeeper until you know Billy Napier can get some better recruits in there, which he is working on. But this guy's just so unimpressive. I haven't seen anything uh, fruitful from the Florida Gators. Yeah, they handle their business. I think like forty-nine to three or something against their FCS opponent. But who's putting stock into that? Especially when you know you get to see a Florida Utah game to start the season. I think Tennessee is a much better team than Utah is. I think Florida needs to find a way to create turnovers and use some of their home field advantage being there in the swamp to their advantage and hope that Tennessee has a low scoring day. I think, you know, the the swamp is easily regarded as one of the toughest places to play in the SEC, if not all of college football, but I just don't know if Florida has it this year. Nothing, nothing that I've seen is telling me that this is going to be a good Florida team, but I think that this Tennessee team is very good. I think, Once again, same as last year, it's going to come down to them in Georgia for the SEC East. So this is going to be my lock of the week. I'm taking the volunteers. Uh, I think this game gets a little bit out of hand, and it is much bigger than a seven-point win for Tennessee.
0: Wow. I got to disagree with you, man. I think this is a close game. I think this is a good game all the way up until the end. I think the keys to this one for me – you touched on Mertz. I mean, two and eight as a starter versus AP top twenty-five teams—just uh, ungood, <laughs> not not very good. Garbage. So, uh, I think it comes down to the defenses in this game, man. Tennessee's Dog defense: butter. twenty-five tackles for lost, eleven sacks so far in two games. If they can get some pressure on Mertz, it's going to be a long night. And on the other side, this UF defense. Zero sacks in two games, so I'm not as high on Milton as you are. I I think he's got a big arm. I don't think he has a very accurate arm, and I don't think that's something that you can fix overnight. Players to watch for me, the running backs for both teams, small and right for Tennessee. They're averaging about 100 yards per game combined so far through the year. And then on the other side for Florida, Etienne and Johnson. It's been a tale of two games for them. We saw against Utah. They did jack shit. 13 yards, zero touchdowns. But then last week, it was FCS State University, but 327 yards, six touchdowns between Etienne and Johnson last week. So do you get a Utah performance against Tennessee? Do you get a McNeese State in the middle is probably more than likely. But I don't know. We've seen, like you said, Swamp, tough place to play. I got questions about Tennessee. I'm going to roll with the Gators. I don't love this one, but i like Florida to keep this one close. Six and a half, just a little too high for me. Still going to take the Vols to win this game straight up, but we'll go Gators plus six and a half. And What are you doing in my swamp? I like the Gators.
1: I put zero stock in a McNeese State win. Tennessee is at least on par with Utah as far as the quality of competition and we see what happens there florida looked terrible yeah a lot of that was you know procedural penalties things that they can clean up and i'm sure that they have addressed in practice since then but tennessee the talent advantage is there their offense can score big yes Joe Milton isn't the most accurate passer but you know when your receivers are getting crazy separation on these Florida DBs you kind of just got to lob it up there and let them go make a play which he's very good
0: at I hear you man that's why it'll be fun to watch I can't wait to uh, watch a few of these games and hopefully get some more picks right we did well last week both going four and two so we'll look to build on that let them know where they can follow us quickly We are looking for some more follows on social media and need some more ratings on those podcast platforms. Where can they find us?
1: It's Instagram at Saturday6pod. Our opinions as well as just game updates, score updates, and then anywhere that you find your favorite podcast, you can find Saturday6.
0: For my brother, Tyler, my name is AJ. This was another episode of the Saturday 6 podcast. We enjoyed it. And we will see you guys again soon. Woo.